church. How are you doing today? Can I just say this? I'm actually, you know, we were preaching on video for the last couple of years because of COVID. But now that we've been meeting together regularly, I'm missing you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like we should be in the room together. I feel like the spirit has been moving powerfully when we've been together. But I do want to say this. We're matching again today. She's We're not wearing, matching. She's wearing blue on top and black on the bottom. Roger. I'm wearing blue on the bottom, this black is... on top. We're matching. I'm no, calling it we matching. Are not. I'm calling it matching. Uh, <laughs> We're in an exciting church today. Uh, We're in the sixth church, Philadelphia, but so exciting because there's so many parallels and it's really, really going to hit home. I pray it does Mm -hmm. in the revelation of all that this is. Philadelphia being the sixth is actually going to come together Mm -hmm. a little bit with the seventh and they're going to lace together and you'll see it in our current time with Mm -hmm. Laodicea. And the reason being is you've got the, if you're looking at the eras of the, the sixth church, you hit the end of the, uh, at 1750, you're going to hit the great awakening time, the revival time. So this is the church of revival. And, and a mm. lot of you, as we think back to those days, you'll think of how the gospel from 1750 up until the present time has really move powerfully just Mm. think about that all over the whole earth yes so you think of william carey in england with a vision to go to india then you think of daniel or sorry david livingston and he's going to go to africa hudson taylor went to china then you've Mm. got the movement in england you've got the puritan movement you've got with john bunyan and the pilgrim's progress you've got john newton then you've got great awakenings with the George Whitfield and um, the Wesleys, you've got Jonathan Edwards, you've got the Methodists, mm-hmm. you've got the movement as fresh as Azusa here in North America. And you, you just see this wild opening. And if you really look yeah. at all that, it was crazy revival, revival. And at the same time, you can now see in our day, the seventh church starting to hit us as well, the apostate church, which mm. we'll hit next week. But I believe we, Westmount, and we'll unpack this a bit more, yeah. is at the time of Philadelphia, which actually means brotherly love. And so as we look at this actual city, Philadelphia, the place and landscape of where it was, was actually at a huge crossroads. Hmm. So the north and south pipe and the east and west, like it will hit a direct road into Ephesus and a direct road into Smyrna, which we've gone through these different areas. But this place, though small, would become a hub, Hmm. almost an open door for a lot of traffic to hit through. So whether it's farmers or tradespeople, and so many people had to go through this place of Philadelphia. Therefore, it reminded me all the more of Kelowna. Hmm. Are we positioned in a place with an open mind and an open heart that we're a direct route that a lot of people have to go through, whether they're going from Calgary to Vancouver? And are we monopolizing on the open door that the Lord might have for us as a church in Hmm. this place to say, Yeah, this church was faithful. Hmm. They were faithful. Not because of the location God gave them, 
they used the location that God gave them to be faithful, to declare all that he was. Hmm. And yeah. so as we go into this this morning, this afternoon, whatever that is, let me just pray that, that we'd have that openness even now. So hmm. Father, Lord, we ask that the freshness of your word, a timely truth that is ever real and ever present today, would awaken us would open us up, would revive our own hearts and minds to realize the great call that you've given us of the greatest news of all time, the good news that, Lord, you're alive and that you love us. May that be proclaimed even now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Remember, church, that each week Jesus describes himself with a new characteristic that specifically relates to the church. And so a different part of Jesus is recognized at the beginning of each letter. So let's start reading in verse 7. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. Interesting, the holy and true one. You know, in Isaiah 40, verse 25, that's how they describe the, the Father, right? God the Father is the Holy One of Israel. Yahweh is the Holy One of Israel. And that same description that's used of the Father as the Holy One of Israel is used of Jesus here. Once again, showing that they're both God. The same title is used. In Luke 4, verses 33 to 34, it says this, in the synagogue, there was a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit. He cried out at the top of his voice, Go away! What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know you are the Holy One of God. Interesting. Even the demons confess that this is who Jesus is. I know that you're the Holy One of God. And this is the title that Jesus has. It, it speaks to his authority. It speaks that he's separate and distinct from creation. He's the creator. Everything else is creation. Even the angelic and demonic realm, they're creation. Jesus is the creator. He's the holy one. He's set apart. And then it says this of Jesus. I hold the key of David. Now, what is that? The key of David. It's so interesting. Jesus came from the line of David. And in Isaiah 22, verse 22, it says this, I will place on his shoulder, speaking of the Messiah, I will place on his shoulder the key to the house of David. What he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. And Jesus is saying, this is me. This is me. Now, I believe this has an immense amount of meaning for Westmount. Now, why do I say that? I say that because we, we went into a prayer time with our leaders, our home gathering leaders and our elders. We were all together in the church office, and this was a few months back, and we went into this prayer time. And as we were praying, it was so interesting that there were revelations that were happening specifically related to this church. When we see the holiness of the Lord, keep in mind as we're in Revelation, what is the one attribute of God that is declared from all the angelic, from the elders, holy, 
holy, holy. That's right, yeah. It's what he wants his presence to be known and, and magnified. Yeah. And I really want us to come under that because that is the set apart nature that he desires for us. Even when Peter mm -hmm. says, first Peter 1 15, but just as he who called you is holy, be holy in all you do for it is written, be holy because I'm holy. And when you see that holiness, you even realize that Moses, when he's singing a song in revelation, this one of the lyrics says in Revelation 15, 4, you alone are holy. Mm. And so therefore that set apart nature allows us this exposure just in a prayer meeting of all places that we might experience that, that set apart nature of God that he wants to, to speak to us and, and to reveal himself to us. And so that key that he's holding as Jesus is showing himself is very, very interesting. Referenced in Isaiah 22, verse 22. But more than that, remember at the beginning when John saw Jesus? He had the keys of what? Death and Hades. Hmm. And here he's showing John and the church and us. I have the key of David. I have the key of blessing. I have the key of salvation. Hmm. And more than that, I want to open things to us right now. Hmm. And so we as leaders gather into that. Well, how do we, how do we see that? How do we, how do we hear that openness? Prayer? That we'd be a house of prayer. And so as we come together as leaders, A lot of things start to happen in the body, but one in specific as prayers are going off by different people, Bria will see a vision. And I thought it best that she share it with mm. you. The vision that God gave me was basically, um, I couldn't see anything around me. All I could see was in the middle of this, let's say room, um, a big machine. Um, full of shapes and gears. I'm not very familiar with machines, um, but a lot of pieces that would work together. Um, and at the very top of this, there was a key um, in a lock that looks like it unlocks the machine. And there was a hand on the key. And as this hand, it was trying to move the key and it would slowly start, but it was really hard to move this key I remember seeing. But as the hand slowly started, then the gears at the top would slowly start to go and they would go together. And then it started to get a bit more momentum. And then as it would go, it would go down further and further down. And then all these gears were starting to work together and it was starting to twist so much easier. And at the very end, I could just see something opening. I don't know what it was. Um, again, it was just shapes, um, but it looked like a door. Something was opening at the top. Uh, and it was just so beautiful seeing all of these pieces, all of these gears moving together. Um, yeah, it was very powerful. Such a beautiful vision that I believe was given to God. As we continued in that prayer meeting, it was interesting. Elena said that that key that began everything moving in the body, everything moving together exactly how God desired it to move together was the key of David. And it didn't strike me right away, but as Elena said that, Aaron said, well, that's, that's in Revelation chapter 3. 
And interesting, it was this church right here that was being referred to. And so literally, we were feeling like Jesus was speaking to us as a leadership that we are this church, that he's given us the key of David, that, the, that we have this authority. And so everything that the Lord's speaking here to the church of Philadelphia, I feel like he's speaking to us westbound. And as we get into it, you're going to see why. So join me as we look at what God would speak and to us. And this was at the beginning of COVID. Keep that in mind. Like the timing of this wasn't just now. This was preparatory, revealing that we didn't even know we'd be in this series. But the Lord is now unpacking it with fullness to us. True. It's part of why we are in this series. So the key of David, what is it? I'm not exactly sure what it is, but we know it has to do with the authority that Jesus has. Authority. When you're given the keys, you have the authority. And Jesus says, what you open, no one can shut. And what you shut, no one can open. In other words, there's no power on earth that's going to be able to stand against you. Interesting. Like, this is Christ. He has the keys. You know, my brother and I would fight when we were younger. Now he was four years older than me and he was bigger than me and stronger than me. So instead of being able to pin him down, when, when I knew what was right, I'd have to go to dad, right? I couldn't just tell him. If I told him what I thought was right, he would just laugh at me and pin me. So I'd have to run upstairs. I'd go, dad, Ron won't, da, 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 da. And then I'd run back down with the proclamation. And this is what would happen. Dad said. <laughs> and as soon as dad said, it was done. My brother would have to listen to me. That's all that was needed. Dad said. And I feel like this is here, Jesus saying, I hold the key. I have the authority. When I speak, it is. Open doors often in the New Testament, you'll see them. And, and Paul talks about them a lot when he says, 1 Corinthians 16, 9, um, he's in Ephesus. And he says, because a great door for effective work has opened to me, but there are also many who oppose me. He goes on in Colossians 4 and says, Pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we can proclaim mm. the message of Christ for which mm. I'm in chains. And you'll often see even 2 Corinthians 2.12, the same thing. The Lord opens up doors. And, and here he's saying to the church, I've opened a door for you. Yes, that's right. And he's saying to Westbound, I've opened a door for you. And there's no authority in heaven and on earth that can stop what it is I called you to. I believe Jesus is saying that to us as a church. Now with that in mind, let's go to the rest of what Jesus says. Verses 8 to 10. I know your deeds. These are the words of Jesus. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. In other words, I've, I've given you this ministry to do and no one's going to be able to stop you. I know that you have little strength. Remember, I feel like this is what Jesus is saying to Westbound as well. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and not denied my name. I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews, although they are not, but are liars, I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. 
so interesting to me that when the Lord speaks to the church of Philadelphia and, and what I feel like is closest to Westmount, there's no rebuke in it. Sort of like the church in Smyrna, there was no rebuke to that, to that church. But even there, though there was no rebuke from Jesus, there was still external pressure and external persecution. Jesus said, I've opened this door that no one's going to be able to shut. It's so encouraging to me because what Jesus calls us to do, no one's going to be able to stop us. There's this door placed in front of us as a church, and we just need to keep walking in obedience. We just need to keep walking to where Jesus is leading us. And I feel like it's that day by day. Okay, Jesus, what do you want today? What do you want today? Our whole leadership is moving with this idea that we're following the cloud. Everywhere the cloud or the pillar of fire goes, we're going to we're going to walk with Jesus and we're going to accomplish everything that he asks us to if we stay with them. And there's no principality or power. There's nothing in the demonic realm that can stand against the authority of Jesus Christ. When he opens the door, it can't be shut. Do you believe that? You know, Romans 8 says this, No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us, Jesus. I'm going to make them fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have what? Loved, loved you. you. Interesting. So good. No, in all so these good. things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I feel like that's what Jesus is speaking to our church. Can you rest in that? Can you hear Jesus speaking that to you? Can you hear Jesus speaking that to us as a body? I want you to allow that to encourage your heart. To encourage you, even when things look difficult, that there's nothing that's been created that isn't under the authority of Christ. And when he speaks and opens the door, it is open. Mm -hmm. And he says this, I know you have little strength. You know, and, and when people look at Westmount, that's what they would say. Oh, they're, they're not that impressive, right? They're not, they're not that big of church. They don't have tons of money. You're, you're not a rich church, but can I tell you this? We've always had everything that we've needed. God has always provided for us through your giving, through other people giving to us. God is so good. Mm -hmm. And there's times when, when we wonder, as God's people, does anyone know what it is we're going through? And, and Jesus, it's like he's coming alongside this church, and he's like, I know, I know. I know you don't have a lot of strength. I, I know what's going on. I know that people are coming against you. They're, they're of the synagogue of Satan. I know what's going on. And it's like Jesus is, is giving this recognition to their flight. He comes alongside this church emotionally and he's like, it's like he puts his arm around his bride and he says, I've got you. It's okay. I'm here. I'm with you. I've, I've got this. You know, this is what Jesus, or Paul says about Jesus. For we don't have a high priest who is unable to empathize with us in our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, 
yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we might receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. See, we come to his throne and we don't have to have lots of strength. The world doesn't have to look at us and be impressed. But we, when we come to the throne of grace, when we come to the throne of mercy, we find Jesus and he, he meets us in that place because he's experienced everything that we've experienced and more. And so with confidence, we can come to him. It's like his throne. That means he rules. He rules with grace. He, he rules with mercy. I know you have little strength, but you have kept my word. You've kept my word. I pray that that is true of Westmount as well. We want to keep to the word of God. Keeping, guarding, what does that look like? Mm -hmm. That means it's at the center yeah. of the church. It means we submit under the authority of God's word. Yeah. Does it have yeah. the rightful place? That means, just like we talked last week, the fear of the Lord, that means I submit to it, I believe it. Yeah. It has authority, I listen to it, and it gives me directives, not mm -hmm. only for our church, for my life, yes, for right. our marriage. Yeah for our families. Yeah. And so when, when people, we get this question a lot, what do we think is the most significant thing that's causing the erosion of the church somehow? I don't believe we've put the center of God's word and all his authority mm -hmm. at the rightful place of our lives right. to steer us, to unashamedly say that we are devoted to what he says and, and listening to it. And then not only that, but like Roger just said, guarding it. We're in a time where we need to preserve mm -hmm. this. There's yeah. over 5,000 cults in North yeah. America right now. There's a lot of things going on, including people questioning, is the Lord Jesus coming back again? Is he coming back again? Oh my goodness, there's two questions that the Antichrist will oppose. One is mm. that Jesus Christ came in the flesh, that he was born in the flesh, that he was here and lived as a son of God. Mm. That's number one. And second, that Jesus is coming again. He's coming again. And we wait with that anticipation of, of his return. With that is our hope. Mm. He's faithful. He's faithful. And so not only has this church kept the word, they've kept their loyalty. And remember, they're up against a time mm -hmm. when you have to declare Caesar's Lord. And yeah. they said, like, some incense. You need to do that. Just go into a temple and say, Caesar's Lord. Curious Kaiser. Yes. But they say, no. No. And their loyalty is to Jesus Christ. And what mm -hmm. does that mean for us? That means maintaining our witness. Mm -hmm. That I belong to Jesus I'm his, I'm, he's paid the ransom for me. Yeah. He's given me his life and I want my witness to be his. And it means holding to his word, especially when society is beginning to call scripture hate literature. Hate literature, the word of God. The truth that's proceeded from the mouth of God is now perceived as hate literature. You have kept my word and you have not denied my name. You don't need to be 
known as strong. What you have to do is you have to keep my word and not deny my name. You see, they had opposition who was coming up against them, that those who were the of the synagogue of Satan, Jesus says, Jesus says this, not me. Now, what is that? The synagogue of Satan. It's people who believed that they were Christians, but they weren't. It's those who believe, but they're Satan's followers. They're like worshipers of Satan, even though they, they believe they're part of God's chosen people, the Jewish people. And so often, even the opposition that we receive is from our own team, isn't it? You know, even when we started the church, when we, when we felt called by God and we shared our calling that we felt like to start Westmount years ago, you know who came against us the strongest? Churches. Churches. We don't need another church. We don't need, there's enough. You know, it's competition. Everyone's concerned about competition. I'm like, no, we're all on the same side. We're on the side of Jesus. And until everyone in our city bows before him and declares that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, we need more and more churches and we need more and more people who are standing for truth. And we don't need to fight in and amongst ourselves, that we need to walk in unity. Mm-hmm. That's what Christ desires. That's what it is. That's what's supposed to be happening. But the church here in Philadelphia was being opposed by some who were supposed to be on their side. Mm -hmm. And Jesus is saying, like, I've got you, dude. Now, Jesus didn't say, that's how I would say it, right? I've got you, dude. (laughs) I've (laughs) I've got you, dude. I've got your back. I'm here. No one's going to be able to shut that door. And I know that there's opposition coming against him. You know what? I'm going to make them fall on their knees and acknowledge that I loved you. I'm going to make them come before you in in humility instead of in opposition. And it gets even better than that. Jesus says, because you have kept my command to endure patiently. Endure patiently. So remember that synagogue of Satan at the beginning of the second church. Remember they were just tolerating them? But through time, they've grown and grown and grown. And now the Lord's going to deal with it. And he says, mm-hmm. they're liars. Mm-hmm. He stands up. You can see he's, he's flexing his muscle here, saying, hey, they're liars. Don't worry about them. And so often we get wound up about the opposition coming from enemies. Yeah. And we need not. We need to stay focused on Jesus, mm-hmm. see Jesus at the center, know that he will protect yeah. you. He will avenge you. And he says, like Roger said, they're going to bow down and acknowledge that I've loved you and don't dismiss the sovereignty of God. You Mm. know where this is displayed in a great example? Mm. The Apostle Paul. Mm. The Apostle Paul, he's Saul. He was like the greatest enemy and threat. The Lord grabs a hold of him and he arrests Saul and Saul's on the ground before the Lord. Mm. And all of a sudden he turns around and he's a huge open door now because now he's preaching the gospel. The Lord will do whatever he chooses to do. He's sovereign. He holds the keys. He's just asking that we would patiently endure. Mm. Patiently endure. Mm. And so when we look at that patient endure, I see a few things. I'm reminded that his command now is just, just keep that stance, keep that mm. enduring 
patience. Yeah. So remember at the very beginning of Revelation when John says, I'm your fellow companion, he's on the island, the prison island, and he writes yeah. what? I'm your companion in what? Suffering and in the kingdom and in the patient endurance right. that are ours in Christ Jesus. Right. I need to speak this to us because we cannot let go. That is my go-to, yeah. patient endurance, patient endurance. Mm. Be faithful. At the beginning when the Lord was talking to us about what does he need us to do at COVID, I carry and Roger, I need you to be faithful. Mm. I need you to be faithful. So even in the 10 virgins at the end, he's looking for the wise and the faithful. We cannot let up mm. from this stance. So mm. that means patient patient have you seen our society it's crazy speed up fast gotta move fast keep it going let's go let's go let's go cancel cancel there's no endurance there's no faithfulness get a new one let's quit i give up but the lord reminds us that love is patient and love always perseveres and so therefore the lord is saying i see your patient endurance and I'm here to stand for you in these times. And so what does that mean to mm. us? It means, man, I hang on when yeah. I hang on when my emotions say quit. You know, it says I'm committed when I don't feel like it. Yeah. I'm committed to, to serving the Lord. I, when I want to throw in the towel and say, I've had enough. I just hang in there because I know that the Lord sees us and will yet reward mm. us accordingly. Being faithful, being faithful with what? Maybe you've got an empathetic personality mm -hmm. that, that people want to confide in you in these times. Be faithful yeah. to that trusted position. May, maybe you're hospitable in your mm -hmm. home and, and you're, you're faithful to keep opening yeah. it. Maybe the Lord's blessed you with resources and I'm faithful to keep sending that out. And maybe you are standing up for purity in your office and you're standing to be faithful to the word of God. And, yeah. and the Lord's just saying, just keep being faithful in that place to which I've positioned you. Because with that little strength, the Lord says, what did he say at the very beginning? Before he even started mm -hmm. into this, I love this. This is the Lord. Because sometimes you're like, Lord, I don't have strength. I don't have strength. This is me a lot. I can't do it. I can't do it. My prayer time. It you, is her, by the way. Yes. I'm like, Lord, I, before this, before I'm running around and the Lord sits me down, Lord, I can't do this, but you can. Mm -hmm. And we realize in that weakness, the Lord says, I'll be your strength. And he reminds us that in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, he says, my strength is made perfect in weakness. And so when we say little strength, we realize that the Lord at the beginning of this letter has opened the door. Do you see that? Like he already knows it. Let me just open the door because my, my little strength can't even open the door, Lord. He's like, hey, I need you to see something. Your voice and you're relying on me as a little church. I'll open the door. I'll open it. And so we sit in this moment and we say, Lord, we just rely on your presence. Hmm. That's all we have. Do you realize hmm. that that's your boast? Yeah. All we have is what Christ enables us to have in this moment as we trust him. Holding on to the word. Holding on to truth. Not denying his name. Patiently enduring. 
And then Jesus gives this amazing promise. And I love it. He says, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come on the whole earth. The hour of trial that's going to come on the whole earth. See the enormity of that promise, especially in this time, right? I mean, we can see the trial coming. Babies had dreams. Oh, I'm calling you baby. Maybe I shouldn't do that in front of you. No, but Roger, you, pastor. Do you want to share any of those? I've just had a dream that there's a big storm coming. Hmm. Hmm. I do believe we're in those birthing pains. And I believe that there is another storm coming. So you patiently endure. But this is what Jesus says to this church. And this is what I believe Jesus is saying to us. I will keep you from the hour of trial that's coming on the whole earth. Mm -hmm. You don't have to fear. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be afraid. Ah, do I know how he's going to keep us from it? No, I don't know how. But I do know one thing that if we stay with him, He's going to keep his promise. If I stay close to Jesus, it's his promise. It's his key. It's his authority. He's the protector. So all I have to do is be faithful to stay close to Jesus. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, I know some Christians believe in the rapture. Some don't. There's, there's debate over it. There is debate over it. But if you believe in the rapture, you love verse 10, right? I mean, you, you truly love verse 10. Let me just read it again. It says this, Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that's going to come on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. As my wife said, I said, I'm not sure that this is about the rapture. I actually think that this might be about Jesus and how he's wanting to protect us in, in this time that's coming. I'm not sure that that protection is, is taking us out of it. But then Carrie told me I was wrong. Go ahead. No, I, I, I begged for a differing opinion, yes. to be honest. And I'm like, <laughs> this was on the way home in the car last night. And yeah. I'm like, we're in disagreement about this. True. And, and I know, and we were laughing about it because he was like, well, we still love each other, right? And yes, we still love each other and we still hold firm to the strong things. But there are a lot of debates about when and how and all it's going to come. And that's why we, we have to really study the scriptures very, very carefully and humbly before the Lord because no one knows the dates or times, the Lord says. Yeah. But I do, I, I want to say, I want to point it out for the, these reasons. I think as we believe and have faith now, we're the bride, the church, mm -hmm. in the Lord in a Jewish wedding, when he, when the groom comes, when the, the father says, okay, Jesus, you go get your bride. Yeah. He's coming for us. And it's usually at night he comes with his, someone that sounds the trumpet ahead of time. And the bride will come out of her city and actually meet them along the way. And that's when Jesus says, we're going to meet him in the air. And when the archangel sounds and the trumpet sounds and the mm. Lord reads the call, we're going to meet with him. But more than that, there's a couple things here. Hour of trial. That's very significant. So I, mm. I do think we're going to get in more and more mm. um, tribulation, small t. But I don't believe the church is geared for the big T tribulation, which is a lot of revelation that we'll go through. But the hour is very significant. It's going to get very, very tight there. And 
it says the whole world. The inhabitants, it's a universal thing that's going to come around the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. So two things, that Greek word from, from, E-K, ek. We're not going to go through, we're not in, we're, he's delivering us from. And it makes me think of the other example that he says, Noah, it'll be like Noah. Noah was delivered out and Lot or Lot is the other one and he's delivered out of the city. So there's something to be said there. And the other part is to test the inhabitants of the earth. Yeah. That same inhabitants of the earth is found in Revelations 8, 13, where it says, woe 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 to the inhabitants of the earth meaning they're dwellers in here and we are to be in the world but not of it so when we give our hearts to christ the holy spirit resides in us that is the seal that's the token that's the buyout package because we belong to our lover jesus christ yeah. here's the point we don't have to agree on every point in the book of revelation and there's going to be some disagreement. We can disagree. We still love each other. We were laughing about it. We were laughing about it. She was making fun of me, but... No, but it's for, fine. I'll I'm go open. for counseling. I might need a couple hours of counseling over that. Anyways, but the beautiful thing is we hold tight to the whole closed-handed issue. Yes. These are the things that we have to agree on. These are the essentials. But then there's open-handed issues where we can have differing viewpoints on and still be in fellowship with one another. So I pray that as we continue to go through the book of Revelation, we do so with humility. Mm -hmm. I, so one of the ways to look at this is the rapture. I want to give you another way to look at it. Um, it might be something else. You know, in John 17, verse 15, Jesus says this, My prayer is not you, that you take them out of the world. This is Jesus' final prayer before he goes to be with the Father. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. Mm -hmm. And saving us from, from the trial that's going to come on the inhabitants of the earth could also just be the supernatural protection of Jesus from the evil one for those who hold to his word, mm -hmm. for those who won't deny his name, for those who endure patiently that there's this authority that Jesus holds even as the enemy brings his worst if you're sitting under that authority it's a place of safety you're going to be kept from it it's a it's a, a promise of his presence his power and his protection mm -hmm. it's all three mm -hmm. it's Jesus okay let's keep reading verses 11 to 13 I am coming soon Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. To the one who is victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will they leave it. It's going to be eternal. I will write on them the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now in closing, I just want to go through these things quickly. But he makes three promises. The first one is that I'm going to make them a pillar of my temple. You know, a pillar. But just before you say that, when he says, I'm coming soon, don't miss that. 
because the patient endurance like he's going to give us one more reminder because that soon isn't in soon like the time we think it's swiftly and quickly like i'm i'm coming soon so he's just like just get that straight so that's where we hold to and then he says these great promises to us yeah, i'm going to make them a pillar in my temple a pillar is someone who's distinguished right you know peter james and john were called pillars of the church pillars of the church and Jesus says to us to those who who hold tight to him that he's going to make us pillars like distinguished people in his temple where where we're going to see him for who he fully is in all of his glory and we're never going to have to leave that place it's going to be a forever position and I'm like man I want that forever place of honor I want to be one of those pillars just to see and experience the full glory of God and remember, that was at the front of the temple. Remember Solomon's temple, those two pillars, he named them. Like that was an honor of a hero position, Boaz and Jachin. And Boaz means in him is strength. And Jachin means he establishes. So think of that strength and this permanence, this stability, this faithfulness. And, and those names were on there every time you'd walk in. And the Lord's reminding that mm. he's got that in store for us who are faithful. That's right. And I'm going to write on them the name of my God and the name of the city of my God. It's like possession, right? Mm -hmm. That's what he's saying. I'm going I'm to mark you as mine or as his I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mark you and no one's ever going to be able to take off that marking. It's going to be like tattooed on us. But I don't know if you remember when I was in elementary school, I had my new backpack every year that my mom would buy for me. And then before the first day of school, what would we do? We'd write our name on everything, right? Like uh, name on the backpack, name on all your school supplies and everything like that. You had your name on it, your lunch pail. Remember lunch pails back in the day? He had your name on everything. This is mine. It's my possession. And when God writes his name on us, it's because we're his possession. And we belong to his city. That's why he writes the name of his city. Mm -hmm. And it's an eternal city. And it's the city where, where, the, the, where God and the Lamb are the light and, and no sun is needed and there's going to be no more tears, no more pain, no more crying it's the city of God, what we were created for. And so Jesus writes on us. So often we'll get caught up in the mark of the beast. Can I remind you a few times in Revelation that we're, as we're his own, mm -hmm. we're actually marked on our foreheads by Jesus. And I wonder if that's mm -hmm. not happening right now in the spirit that he has given that mm -hmm. revelation 22 3 and 4 says and there shall be no more curse he's talking about us in heaven but the throne of god and of the lamb shall be in it and his servants shall serve mm -hmm. him they shall see his face and his name shall be on their foreheads mm -hmm. it's also in revelation mm -hmm. 14 1 so i want us to get caught yeah. up in the declaration of whose we are and his name and what he has in store for us because it's good to the yeah. one who overcomes so when we take this step he's given us all we need now we just need to make the choice in our minds to grab hold of that promise and step through so much of the world marks us 
And I think about the pain and the mm. fear mm, yeah. or the sorrow that, that marks us and tries to stain us or pains from the past and, and the scars from this life or, or the rejection or the family or, yeah. or someone that we love has written something on us. See, I, I, it doesn't matter to me if someone I don't love doesn't care, but when someone close to you mm, yeah. rejects you or, yeah. or hurts you, they, they write something on you and it's, it's hard. You keep trying to get it off. Can I tell you the only way you'll ever get that scar off is when you come to Jesus mm. and when you receive him and he receives you in this way that he loves you. And he writes his name on you, just like the promise mm. remains there. It's almost as if this, the blood of Jesus cleanses you. It's like this bleach yeah. that wipes everything from the world off and gives you this newness, which he then imparts his name on you. Yeah. And it says a name that you and him know. Mm. Do you know what that makes me think of? It makes me think of an intimacy. Yeah. That as you walk with the Lord, even now, you know when his presence is there. You know when he's calling you. And it's just like a nickname that we have yeah. for one another that might be that something that we only know there's this exchange between you and Jesus, which I believe, and I want to say this to you now, that becomes more and more intimate as mm. we walk with him. Yeah, that's right. So to see Jesus at the center where he is in the church, to see that, that he's still speaking, to, to soak ourselves in his word, like soaking so that I hear him, so that I know his mind, that his voice begins to trump every other voice that's around. And I realize that I'm marked with a fingerprint of Almighty God, not one that unlocks my phone, but one that unlocks my heart and says that I'm his. Hmm. Back to that statement that he loves us. Yeah. He loves us. Mm -hmm. He loves us. Just, just hear me on that because that's the boast out of this whole thing. If I'm going to write something about that, I want to highlight that word that everyone's going to bow down to say, he loved you. Mm -hmm. yeah. Do you realize that's your boast? He loves me because mm. my confidence when everything else like I, you shouldn't say that and people get mad all the time like don't be saying that or what are you saying and then I have to go back to the Lord and say Lord you know the intent of my heart yeah. and then you become confident in this fact that he loves you and he will work those things out and you need to remain close into that love that Paul prays for us that we would know how deep and how wide is the love of God that surpasses what knowledge mm. surpasses knowledge and so i just pray that we would really really once again come back to the center of allowing the lord the access to not just write his name on it to be proud that we're his to allow this confidence of his love to really give me that boldness mm. shall we pray Before we do, I just want to encourage you that um, 
I've been praying a new way in my own life. And um, even this morning, I just sat in the presence of God in intimacy. I, didn't, I wasn't praying. I wasn't asking for anything. Just sitting in the presence of God. I encourage you to find that place with him. So Jesus, just thank you. We love you. Mm-hmm. Praise you. We honor you. We hold to you. We, we know that you are truth. We know that you are the way. We know that you are life. Like who else could we go to? You alone have the words of life. And so we cling to you, mm-hmm. Jesus. We cling to you with all we are. And we claim these promises that you've given us. They're almost too amazing for us to understand or even to comprehend. Your authority and your protection rest on us no matter what the enemy wants to throw. Doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You're good. Mm-hmm. You're gracious. You're merciful. Mm-hmm. And you're loving and mm-hmm. you love us. And so we rest in that. Mm-hmm. And Father, for those that that feel the sting or the stigma Mm. of a shame or a condemnation, even in their past, Lord. Mm. We submit to you. And I just Mm. encourage you in this moment that you would just submit to the Lord Jesus Christ. The one who holds the key, who can close the door of the past once and for all, if you would just let him, if Mm. you would let him. And that you would receive the fullness to walk through the open door the open door that he has in front of you to walk into this new chapter yeah. and that you would begin a new relationship with yeah. him and that Intimate. that he would work out the other relationships yes, all around and all the naysayers and everything else that has worked mm-hmm. against you yeah. as enemies in this moment, in this time, as you receive the Lord Jesus as your promise, as your inheritance, as your provider, yeah. as your protector, as you receive him and you submit to him that he will provide a newness of life that is full of wonder and a longing and a promise that you not only will live with him forever, but that we belong into a citizen of heaven. And so, Father, we just say thank you. We come around that together. And as a church here, we do declare that our greatest Mm. boast of all time is that you've loved us, that you've loved us. We long to see you and we look forward to it with great anticipation in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So let me just show you a few fresh things that I see. One is, I mean, this younger generation might not remember exactly what a key, a key, an old fashioned, key looks like but when there was a master key it was necessary to open and close anything and you needed that key to open and only one person had that and so in moments when you think oh man how am I going to get the key to unlock this next chapter in our life Roger and I were in that up until the 11th minute where we weren't quite sure where we were going to live but when we walk in the door and we realize at the front door that this verse is there with the word stability which is one of our words and then more than that when they're showing us around and we come around this corner and i see this beautiful painting instantly 
I look at the woman of the home and I said, that's Jerusalem. And she said, yes. And why that's so meaningful is you know I love Jerusalem. But the last time I was there, I didn't know when I'd be able to come back. And so I saw these beautiful paintings, thousands of dollars outside the old city as I walked around one last time. And here the Lord positions us in an unexpected time with a key to open up a place where I will have the old city of Jerusalem in our home reminiscent, able to pray it through. So as we think about the promise of what remains to us today, that key of David that Jesus talked about, do you know where that's found? Isaiah 22, 22. Is that significant? Well, it was a time, if you look at that passage prophetically, when a city was under siege and it seemed almost impossible. And the Lord moved a palace administrator out and brought in someone new. And he put the key of David on his shoulder, unexpected during Hezekiah's reign and rule. A time when Assyria was trying to come in and take over Jerusalem. But they prayed and the Lord did something crazy. We started praying at 2.22, and we started praying what? Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak boldly, that the Lord would stretch out his hand, right? Jesus would stretch out his healing hand. And our elder pen will remind us that that's a healing hand, not just physically, but a healing of divisions in our society. That's what we're praying for. And as we step in that together, do we realize again the reminiscence that comes to us of Philadelphia, meaning brotherhood, a, a loving brotherhood? And so I want to remind you of all of this in the time, and I know we spoke of there's wars going on and birthing pains going on. There's a key component that's looking to be unified at the end of Ezekiel 37 prophetically, and it's when Ezekiel's told to pick up a stick, and in one hand it says Judah, and in the other hand it says Joseph. Put them together in your hand so they'd become one. And you remember the time when two brothers were, they'd sold Joseph out to slavery and he was in Egypt, and they didn't recognize him when Judah had come back. But there was this aspect of forgiveness where Judah fell down at his knees that he'd done something so awful to his brother Joseph. And in that time where they came together and the love and reconciliation came, unheard of. And they were spared, that country was spared at that time from a great famine. That family was. And so I'm asking you today, is the Lord asking us to press into a unity? A unity for for our brothers and sisters, as Israel is being united now, you know what I think that represents? Judah being Israel, Joseph being the church. For sure. Where did Jesus come out of? The line of Judah. The line of Judah. And Joseph has been given many, many great things here in North America. But there's a time now when we need to unite like we never have. 
And so the revival starts right there in unity to which we believe and we will hold firmly to despite whatever else comes at us. And I want to end with this psalm as I was revealing that vision that we started out with, with the key, with a bunch of young adults this past summer at Bertram Park where the fires had once roared through, that new life was going to begin and those that were there are going to remember. And I said, as the key was starting to turn with strength, the oil started to pour over the motor. And oil is necessary, oil of the presence that causes things to move. And as I declared that revelation, Jason stood up and said, it reminds me of this psalm. And I'll close with this. May this be our prayer. Psalm 133. How good and pleasing it is when God's people live together in unity. It's like precious oil poured over on the head running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. Amen.